place that were not related to one another. And at, at this time, it was all so new, and they were so united. There was really one working of Christianity, one work happening within one city. And so he sent to Ephesus in that city and called the elders of the church to come to him. And when they came to him, he said to them, You yourselves know how I lived among you the whole time from the first day that I set foot in Asia, serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials that happened to me through the plots of the Jews. How I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you in public and from house to house, testifying both to Jews and to Greeks of repentance toward God and of faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And now behold, I am going to Jerusalem constrained by the Spirit, not knowing what will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city that imprisonment and afflictions await me. But I do not account my life of any value, nor as precious to myself, if only I may finish my course and the ministry that I receive from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of grace of God. I'll read on in a few minutes, but I just want to stop right there for a second. Um, I was praying about, okay, what do I talk about today? You know, do I just kind of ignore the fact that this is my last Sunday and just preach a different message and go for it? Or should I kind of take my cues from other people, especially in the Bible, where they really use their last moments to say things that really matter? Jesus did this with his disciples. Paul is doing it right now with the church in Ephesus. He called all the elders, and basically, we'll read in a few minutes, they all knew they wouldn't see him again. This was it. And I don't think my uh, my trajectory is as bleak as Paul's. I don't plan to be imprisoned not anytime soon or uh tortured in north carolina if i am please come and rescue me <laughs> so it's not that bleak but i do think there's something about taking the opportunity to share some things that really matter they really matter because at the end of your life at the end of my life there's really only one set of eyes that we're going to look into and that's of the lord jesus your spouse won't be there your children will not be there your boss won't be there. You'll have no money to pay your way in. <laughs> it's just him. And really, the only words that you want to hear from him are, well done, good and faithful servant. And that comes down to, like Matthew chapter 6 and 7 talks about, that comes down to, did you do what he asked you to do while you were on earth? In fact, there's one part in Matthew where it says, Jesus said, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and you don't do the things that I say? So there's something really uh, weighty about, and that's why even in our ministry time today, I, I prayed like, Lord, strengthen us to be in your will. Strengthen us to not get outside of your will because it's that's that's important. Um, and so Paul, what I'm reading here is where he says, listen, when I was with you, I taught you. I, I didn't hold anything back from you. I gave you what I felt like was profitable. I gave you what I felt like was going to help you strengthen you. I testified to both Jews, Greeks. I wasn't, um, I, I wasn't racist in that sense. I wasn't prejudiced, but I preached repentance toward all of them. And he says, and now I'm going to a place not because of my own will, but the Holy Spirit's leading me. And I, I, one of the concerns that I have for any believer is, are you being led by him? You know, it's one thing to be led by other people and opportunities and jobs and 
you know, money and all of that. But at the end of your life, none of that's going to matter. It's the question will be, were you led by him? Did he lead you? Are you where you are today because he asked you to be there? Or are you there because of convenience or because of history or because of tradition or because it's where your family happens to live or all of those things when you're before the Lord Jesus are going to not matter. <laughs> They're going to be, did you do what he asked you to do? And Paul is, I feel like, is you're hearing his heart speak to these people because he knows this is it. It's the last time I get to give you any, any words that really count, any words that really matter. And so I'm just kind of taking my cues from him because when I read this, I feel like not only do I want to hold this posture of like, hey, when I come to the end of my assignments, I want to have the integrity of heart to be like, Lord, I did what you asked me to do. But I don't think that's just a responsibility of pastors. I think that's the responsibility of every believer. I, I really think this is your responsibility as if you're a believer in the Lord Jesus, that you learn from Paul's words to say, can I say this about my life right now? Can I say like in verse 18, you yourselves know how I lived among you the whole time from the first day that I set foot, in his case, Asia, serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and with the trials that happened to me. How I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable. Can you say that about yourself today? Because my, my, my encouragement is don't wait till God shakes your tree. You know, right now he's shaking ours. He's shaking Hagerstown for He's shaking us and sifting some things out and resetting some things, transitioning us. Don't wait till that moment to get on mission with what God's called you to do. Get on mission today so that when transition does come and God does assign you maybe somewhere else or call you somewhere else or send you somewhere else, you can before him have confidence to be like, Lord, I did everything in my power to do what you asked me to do. See, what really got me to the place of coming to the East Coast, specifically Hagerstown, but really we knew we were coming east, was about a year to a year and a half before we knew where, what was happening, I felt the Lord really speaking to me. And there's one scripture where it says, and I think it's in Timothy, where it says, and say to Archippus, take heed to the ministry which you have received in the Lord that you may fulfill it. And it is such a key line. In fact, we kind of read it here where it says, I, I, I want to finish my course and the ministry that I received from the Lord. And there was such a conviction that I knew each of us, including you, have received a ministry from the Lord. Like inside of you is a ministry from him, but you're responsible to fulfill it. And I knew that was so true for me. And I've been a servant at the same church at that point for 17 years by the time i was done it was 18 years and so i didn't feel like i was not serving the lord or doing what i was supposed to but i knew there was a time coming where i was like part of me fulfilling my ministry requires me to make a change to make a move there's an assignment that has shifted and i have to follow that assignment but there was there i was wrestling over this for a time because it was a big deal to move where we had planted roots my wife's family's out there all of our friends, we were financially set up there. I mean, not, there was no reason to leave except that God was basically bringing the conviction that if you stay here, you won't fulfill your ministry. 
and you say, well, you can preach the gospel there, and, you, and well, that's true, but there was a location that we were supposed to be at. There was, a, there was changes that we needed to make, and I felt that strong conviction like where Paul said, and say to Archippus, take heed to the ministry, take heed, like pay attention to it, cling on to it, make sure it happens to the ministry that you've received in the Lord that you may fulfill it. So I had this strong conviction, like I will do whatever it takes to to fulfill that ministry. Like a deep conviction. So that's why when it came to making some decisions about this transition, I won't say it was easy, but I will say that this conviction of fulfilling the ministry that God has put on me and in me supersedes everything. And it doesn't mean that you don't have emotions. It doesn't mean that it's not, you know, you don't, we are human. We go through all of that stuff. But anchored in me is this commitment, and I'll be the same way in North Carolina. Anchored in me is I will fulfill it. Why? Because at the end of my life, I have to have that confidence that I did what he called me to do. But that's not just about senior pastors or Paul the Apostle. This is there for every believer. What is the ministry that he's giving you, and are you fulfilling it? Are you about it? Can you... Can you look at the last year of your life and say, I've been about the ministry that he's put in me? And if you can't, I would encourage you to take our transition as an opportunity to reevaluate. Not as a con condemnation, not as some sort of, you know, stick to beat you over the head and say, get, get on ministry. But as an opportunity, as the gracious shepherd, Father God, to come to him and say, Lord, what is the ministry that you've given me? And how do I make decisions to fulfill it and to get about it? Paul says that. He says, for I did not shrink back from declaring, or excuse me, let me start a little sooner. Uh, verse 24. But I do not account my life of any value, nor as precious to myself, if only I may finish my course in the ministry that I receive from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. Look at verse 25. And now behold, I know that none of you among whom I have gone about proclaiming the kingdom will see my face again. Therefore, I testify to you this day that I am innocent of, of the blood of all, for I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. Pay attention, careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. So he's talking to elders of this church and he's saying, listen, I'm going, but you're responsible for this flock. And I would say that to everybody here, even though you may not all be considered elders, I would still charge you to say, hey, take care of one another. Oh, uh, this, this flock, this is God's flock. This isn't just um, cute words like on a Hallmark card. <laughs> this is really how God sees each of us. He sees us as part of his flock, and he charges us to say, Take, take care of one another. You've been called as overseers of the flock of God. Make sure that they're okay. Care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood, which to me just says that's how much he cares for his flock. He gave his blood. Verse 32, let's skip down. And now I commend to you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. See, I, this verse was so encouraging to me because, honestly, 
We need pastors. We need leaders. But I love that he says, I commend you to God and to the word. Another word and another another way of saying it is even in between transitions and leadership changes, there's something that doesn't change. And it's right here. This will see you through some tough times. This will see you through when you're like, I don't have a church to go to or if the Lord sends you to Timbuktu and you don't have anybody to even talk to. I'm telling you, the word of God will see you through some dark times, some tough times. It'll it, and it'll anchor you because if you get off into your own heart and your own emotions and your own way of thinking, you could go down that rabbit hole real quick. And probably each of us in our own lives have done that before. No one's exempt from that where you you know you have a bad week and by the end of the week you're like I'm done I'm done. I'm done with all of this. I'm not going to church again I don't want to talk to these people again. I don't want to talk to my family again or whatever the 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 Instances may be but this says I commend you to God and to the word of his grace Which listen which is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance Like this word is able to build you up give you the courage give you the strength Keep you from going crazy. Keep you from doing your own thing. Keep you from getting your own flesh. Keep you doing the will of God. He says, I commend you to this work. Because what is he saying? I'm leaving. So this is all you got. And they didn't even have the New Testament all written out. They did have some of the letters. Like the book of Ephesians was just a letter that he had written to them. So he's saying, I commend you to these words. Because they're able to give you that inheritance. Verse 36. And when he had said these things, he knelt down and prayed with them all. And there was much weeping on the part of all. They embraced Paul and kissed him, being sorrowful most of all because of the word he had spoken. And they would not see his face again. And they accompanied him to the ship. I'm not asking anybody to kiss me, by the way. <laughs> Just in case you're wondering. It's a little cultural. But I just want you to notice the Bible is real. And we walk through these real situations that is in there. And the Holy Spirit put it in there for that very reason for us. So that we would have an encouragement of, hey, transitions are normal. Even in the early days of the church, as with the apostles and everybody, they had to transition. And it was tough. And they would weep together. They'd cry together. But the what gave them consolation is they were all wanting to be in the will of God and they were all wanting their leaders to be in the will of God and this y'all is the pattern in 10 years may this be the pattern of your life in 20 years may this be the pattern of your life yes you may have others come and go but may you be so committed that you know what I'm about the will of God and I want to release others to be about the will of God that'll anchor you like nothing else because there's a lot of examples in today's world of crazy. Turn on the news. Every time I, yeah, every time I turn on the news, I'm like, this is sad. This is, not, you know, like your blood pressure goes up 10 ticks just by watching one story on the news. So there's a lot of examples out there of how to do things wrong. But that's why we have to come back to the word and let the word lead us and to guide us and, and to encourage us and help us to not be cynical Help us to not be selfish, you know, help us to not be um, to where our life is about us, 
but it kind of helps us detach from all those worldly ways of thinking and just attach to his will and be like, you know what, I'm going to be on assignment with him. And honestly, my two older kids are here. Lily and I are committed. We're going to show our kids what it's like to follow the will of God. And it's not going to be opportunity-based. It's not going to be about, well, what can we get out of it? It's not going to be what's the best package for us. That's all the world. We want them to see this is what it looks like to sometimes sacrifice, to sometimes give up things that you thought were really dear to you because following his will is the best thing for our life. And it'll be the best thing for their life when I'm dead and gone. Right? I mean, this is this is what we're passing along. I'm, more than money, this is the inheritance I want my kids to pass. I want to pass on to them. So I just, I didn't want to take too long this morning, but I just felt like it was important to just share from, really from the word of God, but also from my heart. If, if I could run into any of y'all in five to 10 years, my prayer is when I run into you that I'll find you on mission with what God's doing. I, I, I want to find you on fire for God. I, I want to. I, I would love to just see you as a crazy Jesus freak. <laughs> that's just so committed to doing what He's doing. And many of you, that's been your pattern. And my prayer is just may that continue. May that be what we find and see in five or ten years. Because you know what, um, I learned yesterday when I was moving and my back threw out that I'm not getting any younger. <laughs> I pulled on something. I was like, oh. Oh boy, because <laughs> I was getting some packing done. So it's bringing clarity, and I'm sure some of you are already in that season of life. Of you know what, there are certain things that matter and certain things that don't. And I just want to get really zoned in on the things that matter, and just give everything I got to that. You know, I think about y'all's grandson who you bring around. You know, what are you passing on? You know, and y'all's grandkids that you're babysitting right now, and. That's what you're passing on. And some of our kids who are here, or future family like Haley and her fiance, and all, these are the things that you really pass on. Because money gets spent, houses get sold, inheritance, like that, those matter, but not nearly as much as the pattern of, hey, we're passing on what it looks like to follow our God, our God wholeheartedly. Amen? Let's pray. I love it. And the baby noise gives us reminder of that's what it's about. That's what it's about. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you so much for the clarity that our lives really, really, really are for you. decision-making process belongs to you. We come to that place today intentionally, Lord, where we pray what Jesus prayed, not my will, but yours be done. Your will, your will, your will, Lord. Pray that your will would be done.
you know what? Let me take one more minute just to lean into that. Be able to look up here for one second. Um, you know, many of you remember this, where Jesus came to the Garden of Gethsemane, right outside of Jerusalem, right outside the gates of Jerusalem. You can go there today. The Mount of Olives is right there. This little gate, Garden of Gethsemane. And you go in there, there's these beautiful ancient olive trees there. And just in that quiet place, he prayed, but he didn't just pray like, Lord, not my will, but yours be done. It says that he was so pulled to want to do his own will that he sweated in, in his capillary glands in his veins popped and he sweated where it, his sweat mixed with real blood. Now, I've been stressed, but I've never been that stressed before. But that was the pull, and he's the son of God. Came, sent to die for you and me. And yet that was the process that he had to come to to yield his will to the will of God. Now, that wasn't a one-off thing. That is a model for you and me to follow, that there will be a place in your life where you will feel the pull, where you so badly want to do something different. Were you so badly or like, I don't want to do this, but yet there will be this spirit inside of you when you're a born-again Christian. There will be the spirit man in you that's shouting at you, do the will of God, do the will of God, do the will of God, and you'll feel like it's a tug of war. And you have to, I'm imploring you, yield to his will. Say it out loud if you have to. Scream it out loud if you have to. Get away into a prayer garden like Jesus. I don't care. Somehow break your will and submit it to his will and follow through with it. I mean, in that moment, that is where Jesus really surrendered his life for death. He wasn't on the cross. By that time, it was done. But it was in that moment he surrendered. He gave up. He said, okay. This is what I give to you. So that's that's what I want to pray. You want to close your eyes again. That's the picture of Lord. All of these things belong to you. This transition is just a surrendering of will. Surrendering of our will today, Lord. Surrendering of our will. Lord, I pray over every teenager here. That their will would be submitted to your will. Over my kids. In fact, all of you, if you have kids or grandkids, why don't you just pray over them? Say, Lord, I pray that they'd surrender to your will. I pray that they'd follow your will all the days of their life. All of the days of their life, I pray that they would just be following your will. Doing what it is that you asked them to do. In Jesus' name. Lord, I pray over Hagerstown Foursquare Church that this will be a church that in 5 and 10 and 20 years will continue to be that church that's committed to your will, committed to preaching the gospel without prejudice like Paul the Apostle, preaching repentance to people, preaching the, the gospel of Jesus Christ, reaching the community as best they can with the power of the Holy Spirit. I pray that you would continue to 
lead the leadership decisions forward, that you would appoint and cause the right people to be appointed as lead pastors here. I pray that you would guard us from the enemy that would try to take advantage of us during transition. Help us to stay on point with your will in all of these things. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Do you agree with you? Say amen. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. amen.